Hey, you're listening to the Scholarly Spark podcast. Here's your chance to finally become interested in learning and find out about what you're genuinely curious about. Join me as we experience different foods, the latest technology, immerse ourselves in a variety of phenomenal cultures, discover the secrets of civilization, find out about interesting people we never knew existed, and learn about what no one else dared to find out. I'm Vasan Narayanan, taking you on a journey through the mysteries of our world, all through the convenience of your headphones. Here we go. How do you think it's possible to separate correlation from causation without uh, running an experiment? So it's tricky, right? So separating correlation and causation uh, is very hard to do. Uh, but it can be done. And the way in which you can really do it is understanding really well sort of the setting that the data is coming from. Uh, Because you can ask, why would correlation and causation be different? Why might you see a correlation between two things, even if one didn't cause the other? Uh, So to take an example, you know, every morning, if you're on a farm, right, the rooster crows and then the sun rises right? Those two things are correlated. The time of day when the rooster crows is very much correlated with the sun rising. However, we're, we can be pretty sure that the rooster didn't cause the sun to rise. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the way that you can separate these two things out, you know, if it's not such an obvious case like that is to think about all of the reasons why two things might be related to each other, right? Because there's going to be a bunch of different reasons why two things might go together. Uh, in the case of the rooster and the sun, well, it's that the rooster has has some anticipation of when the sun's going to rise, right? That that it's it. You know, why do we see the rooster crowing at the same time the sun rises, or just before? Uh, because the rooster has some idea of the sun that is about to rise and is is sort of getting ahead of it. Okay. And so, thinking about all the different reasons why two things might be related allows you to try to figure out ways to get rid of the explanations you don't want and just leave yourself with the explanations that are still there. Uh, there's two main ways you can do this. One is sort of the approach of what's called controlling for stuff or adjusting for stuff. If you've ever read, you know, a newspaper article uh, that's talking about, okay, you know, the differences between these two groups, adjusting for differences in income or adjusting for uh, location where they live. That's sort of what's going on here. So let's say that you wanted to figure out, you notice that there's a correlation in the world between people eating ice cream and wearing shorts, Right. You know, hey, they, people tend to wear, eat more ice cream on the days where they're wearing shorts more often, right? Uh, I, I wonder if wearing shorts gives you a taste for ice cream. Now, that's clearly wrong, but how can we separate that? Well, why are those two things related to each other? Uh, well, one reason why you might see those two things happening at the same time is that on a hot day, you're more, you're more likely to wear shorts and you're more likely to eat ice cream. And so you could control for or adjust for the temperature of the day and see if those, if shorts and ice cream are still related after you do that. And you probably wouldn't telling you that actually, no, one of those things doesn't cause the other. It's probably just the temperature. The other way uh, uh, is uh, what's called natural experiments. I mentioned the the Vietnam example, um, but there's lots of different kinds of natural experiments where the world sort of runs an experiment for you. And this was the thing that the, the Nobel Prize winners were really famous for. Uh, another good example of this is uh, what, they're, what are called um, random judge assignment studies. Uh, so in a lot of criminal justice systems, uh, if you when, when, when it, it's time for you to go before a judge, uh, there's a certain set of judges you that are sort of in your area, but you're more or less randomly assigned to which judge you get. Some judges are harsher. Some ju- judges are more lenient. If you happen to get put in front of a harsher judge, you're more likely to go to prison, which is pretty random. 
And so if the, the world's sort of naturally giving you some sort of random variation, like if you were running an experiment, even though you're not. Now, there's a famous paper by Anna Azer and Joseph Doyle that looks at this uh, random judge assignment for uh, juvenile uh, cases. And they find that uh, kids, kids, kids who happen to be assigned to harsher judges and were more likely to get uh, harsher pun punishment, go to juvenile detention, things like that, uh, were less likely to complete high school later on, and then also more likely to commit more crime as an adult, right? So they were able to randomly get the effect of being sent to prison rather than getting a more lenient sentence uh, because the world sort of naturally provided them an experiment. It's been super fun learning with you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to me. Join me next week as we explore another part of the numerous and ever-increasing mysteries of our world. I'm looking forward to exploring something new that you've never heard about next week. Talk soon. <laughs>